I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Guys, this is going to be really fun. Um, you guys ever heard of a little little band called the Arkells? I think I'm familiar. Once or twice. Mm. You might have heard of them. Um, and if you didn't hear of them, you're probably living under a rock. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're sitting down with Max from the Arkells, uh, frontman of one of the most popular uh, Canadian alt-rock bands of all time. Um, and we're going to be talking about the healing power of music. I love it. Hey, Max, I have a question for you. Do you know Lori Brown? Lori Brown. It rings a bell, but she, uh, how do we know Lori? Sorry, so she I'm used stumped. to. That's okay. She used to um, host a, a CBC radio show called The Signal. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Okay, and yeah. She's like, she was one of my like childhood heroes growing up. Like I, we stumbled onto listening to Lori Brown like late one night, um, probably smoking weed. And her like yeah. her serene... <laughs> Mm. voice was like it was so it was she was like my radio mom mm. and Lori brown is to brian as joel plaskett is to me yeah, yeah. exactly mm. and so anyway we we um we had the pleasure of speaking to Lori brown on our podcast about music and its ability to support people through the grieving process yeah mm. and i'm curious to dive right into it with you mm-hmm. um what what sort of or if it does, like, how does music aid you in sort of navigating your emotional spectrum? Mm. <laughs> it's a good question. It's funny. Is this is not the answer you want? Uh, but for me, um, you sometimes you need a little bit of relief, and I find podcasts are actually that relief for me. So it's like some mm-hmm. of my, and maybe because I'm so inside of it. And don't get me wrong, like music is a huge part of. Uh, of my life and and I've leaned on music in all kinds of ways and I do lean on it during difficult times uh but I will say as a, as a pod, I, and I have a podcast with a couple of friends called The Best Hang and and I think of uh you know that warm familiar voice that offers a little bit of levity uh that that you hear in your favorite podcast as something mm-hmm. that is truly comforting and this is like so lame but I've said this before I'm like I owe like an emotional like I owe gratitude um, for the emotional support that like Bill Simmons has offered me. (laughs) And Bill Simmons is a good dude from Boston who loves Boston sports. And I don't even care about Boston sports, but there's just the amount of time I spend with my favorite podcasters is really meaningful. But anyway, sorry to answer your question though. I mean, yeah, of course it's like, you know, when you're like, I've had lots of uh, walk homes from the bar when you're in that sort of contemplative state. And you're and and I was actually you know I'm not gonna lie. Literally a week ago, I, I I've been thinking about <laughs> my life and what I want to do next. And I was listening to the song "When I Close My Eyes" by Joel Plaskett, uh, and it's such a beautiful song. And I was walking through Trinity Bellwoods Park, and I was just having a cry to myself. And it was a beautiful oh, moment. Yes, <laughs> yes. Man. It was like, you know, like not in a hysterical kind of way, not in a like you're out of your mind, like wasted. Because I'm not not talking about that. I'm just talking about that like that sort of perfect sweet spot where you're kind of in your feels yes. in a profound, yeah. truly a profound way. And, yeah. and so, yeah, there's lots of songs like that. The song that always gets me is um, the book of love, uh, the Peter Gabriel version. Mm. Do you guys know that song? Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh God. What a, what a song. Um, but yeah, of course. I mean, music, music has always done that for me. I, I love that because like, I'm a, I'm a huge uh, proponent of, of going to therapy. And like, mm-hmm. I find that therapy always gets me to that space where I'm like feeling all the feels and feeling that, like just having that deep emotional cry. Mm-hmm. But the only other experience that I can compare to that is listening to music and just like 
allowing myself to like really fully feel yeah. the feelings mm-hmm. that I'm feeling in those mm-hmm. moments. And it's so therapeutic. Well, for it me. Is, you know, music is music's a really interesting art form in that it, um, you know, I, like I just want to say this for anybody out there, you know, sometimes you meet someone who, who's like, ah, yeah, I don't really, I don't know. I don't really like listen to music. And and as someone who avidly listens to music, when you hear that, you go, it's "Oh, hard, it's hard to." You must be on. broken. Like <laughs> you must have some sort of like tr- past troubles that just like mm. didn't you, you know it just didn't click for you. Um, so for anybody that's listening right now that doesn't like really sink into music, I totally get it. No judgment. However, I would I would implore you to maybe stop do, listening to the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Don't turn, ever listen to us. Turn again. this off <laughs> and, and do a little bit of a deep dive, like do a little bit of a, 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 you know, a search for music that, that is profound to you. It's music. Well, that, where that, does somebody who has, you. where, where does somebody who has no connection to music start with this, with this search here? Well, uh, I'm not the one I, you know what, honestly, I, I, I don't know the answer to that because music is so subjective, right? Like you could have one person like for myself, if we're sharing like music that's touched us, you know, the Lori Brown example. Great. I love that. We were just talking about Joel Plaskett before we started recording Max, you know, talking about this Joel Plaskett song while you're walking through Trinity Bellwoods kind of touching you. I had, I had an experience recently. Um, well, within the last like few years where I was in London and uh, I was by myself, I was waiting for my friend's wedding, which was happening, you know, in a few days South of London. And I'd never been to the, to the, to the country. I've never been to London. And uh, I was like, I'm going to go out and just explore today. I'm going to, I'm going to walk for like eight hours and just go see the city. And my favorite band of all time is Radiohead. I think Tom York is just absolutely brilliant. And I was like, I'm going to do it while listening to like Mm -hmm. the full discography of Radiohead. And I think I, I started, I threw on Kid A and I'm walking through, um, uh, like shortage or something. And I don't know what happened. I don't know what it was, but I was just like overcome with, I guess, elation. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a beautiful day. I was in this, I was in this city that oddly, oddly enough felt very much like, like my true home. Mm. And I'm listening to this music that has like been, been, you know, go- going with me for, since I was, uh, you know, probably in junior high. And all of a sudden I just start weeping. And I mean like really, really mm. weeping. And I, I recall looking around and like, there was this, there was this like older woman that came out of a shop and she looked at me with like genuine concern. And I, and so, you know, I couldn't help but like laugh while, while crying, while she's looking at me. Can you, I, can you show us what that looked like? I'm an ugly crier too. <laughs> me too. Me too. You know, but, it, but, but I, I look at that moment and it was one of the most, it wasn't a moment that I shared with anybody else mm-hmm. except for myself and Tom York and he'll and all of it. us right now and all of you right now. And, uh, and I'll never forget that moment. It was one of the most like beautiful moments mm-hmm. of my entire life. And, and, and on top of that, it has, it has changed the way that I now listen to that album. Mm. You know, like it totally shifted the way that that album hits me on a day-to-day basis when I'm at home and I just, you know, throw the record on. I find mm. that the inter- one of the most interesting things about, about when something like what you said, Max, walking through Trinity, Bellwoods, what you're talking about going through London, is that when that's happened to me, which has happened several times to different music, I would say typically Joel Plaskett, out of nowhere, don't know where it comes from. And it's like a, it's, it's kind of confusing at, at first because I think, I think most people's first association with tears is sadness and you associate it with a certain emotion, but it's not that. That's it's, you, dude. I got, I get well, tears you, well, for everything. You, you, right. You got, you got tears for every emotion. Like, I, and, and so when it, whenever it, it happened, whenever it happens to me, it, my initial reaction is going, is going, why? And then I'm like, but I, cause I'm not feeling sad. I'm just feeling, what am I feeling? And I try to, I try to pin down what it is that I'm feeling when that happens because I, and I list and I'm going, why did this in this moment have this, have this effect on me? And it can be very hard to pin down. And then when you kind of do pin it down, I think then you start to reframe mm-hmm. I think, what, to what you're saying. Yeah. I like getting uh, contemplative, th- those kinds of tears, those, those ones that aren't out of sadness, but they're like out of gratitude. I get them a lot thinking about like my family, you know, you just like think Ooh. about, <laughs> you know, how lucky you are to have, have your parents and your siblings or, 
uh, and just the sacrifice, like thinking about your parents' sacrifice and, and, and thinking of your parents as, as real people having yeah. to struggle through their own problems. Like, and, and anytime that's sort of like depicted in movies or in television, that, that just destroys me immediately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Sad, a, sad dads. <clears throat> sad dads really fucks me up. Like being a, re- I'm a, I'm a very recent dad and mm. I'm seeing, I'm seeing what my, like all the things that my dad did for, I was, I grew up mm. playing hockey and my dad did a lot for me to like, tried to get me as far towards a pro hockey career as I could get. And, and now that I look at that, I'm looking at that through a different lens now because Mm -hmm. I'm a dad and I'm going, Oh wow. I'm seeing this through the lens of like what I would do for my daughter if she wanted to pursue something that she was passionate about. Mm -hmm. And it's, and like you said, it's seeing your parents through this lens of a real, of a real person, not this Mm -hmm. sort of, not this person that you frame them into because they are sit in the position that they do as, as your parent, but as like a person Ooh. that had a life before you and, and Ooh. had a life outside of you while you were, while you were living and like they, mm-hmm. they sacrificed a lot yeah. and they did yeah. so much to try and push you the, forward. This conversation makes me, the things that we're talking about make, makes me think, Jerry, you, you said um, you didn't share that moment with anybody except yourself and Tom York. And I assume that you didn't send Tom York an email didn't. or an Instagram message. Mm. But if I ever did, that. if I ever did meet him, that is the first thing that I would tell him. Well, that's like, why I'm I curious. Share this I think Tom would appreciate that. Well, well, because Max, like you're obviously you're, you write amazing songs that people listen to and experience some of these same sorts of experiences that we're talking about. And I'm wondering, like, do people reach out to you and, and, and share these types of like profound experiences that they're having? And like, how does that affect you when you hear that mm-hmm. yeah uh well, a couple of things i mean well first of all, back to your therapy point I, I i'm going to therapy and i always feel that moment of sort of like pure like sort of honesty it always makes me want to like pick up the phone and call a bunch of people and just because yeah. i just feel so at ease and raw in, in a great way so i encourage mm-hmm. that if anybody's looking for some kind of release it, it's really been helpful for me um yeah and to, to answer your question i mean it's kind of a two-step uh, process because uh, there's the writing of the song. I've been writing a lot lately, uh, and it that in itself is very therapeutic. And and when you're in the right zone, it, it really it just what it's just like kind of you and the words, and you're trying to figure out the puzzle of what the song with the shape of the thing will look like. That's that can and when you land on a lyric or something that you're like quite proud of, like I landed on something last night at like one in the morning. I'm like, oh, thank God, and, and I listened to it again this morning. And I was like, oh, that that's actually making me emotional. And, and you know, I think we have sort of a, at times we can be like a little detached from it because like, because there's so much of like an entrepreneurial like business side mm. of the band and a, like mm-hmm. a promotional side of it. Um, but at the heart of it, it starts from that very sort of pure feeling. And, and I think if in order you know, for me to want to show an idea to the rest of the guys in the band, it needs to like kind of pass that, like, is it really, you know, punching me in the gut test. Um, And then the second part of it is, you know, you put it out and in the greatest gift of all is just, is just finding out where these songs land in in people's lives. And we've got, we get so many uh, DMS and emails, just people sharing their stories with us. And, and that's like, and and it's a variety of stories. It's like, (laughs) You know, it could be something as like sort of fun as I listened to knocking at the door before I wrote my med school exam and it pumped me up or something like that. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and then there's really sweet like romantic songs uh, like and uh, quitting you, for instance, or and then some we get like about 10 emails every Monday morning in the summer from fans being like, here's a here's our first dance. And here's the song. Here's your song that we, that we dance to, which is amazing to, to be a part of someone's day in that way. Um, and then, and then we get lots of songs about people that are, you know, sorry, lots of emails from people that are going through rehab or have just lost a loved one. And, and our, our music was the soundtrack to that. So Mm -hmm. like, yeah. And, and that, and that's just the most like humbling thing ever. Right. Just knowing that like this thing that we made in earnest in a very sort of solemn place Mm -hmm. uh, is, is landing somewhere completely different. Do, do you rec- like, I, I mean, I, this might be a tough question to answer, um, but, you know, you've been doing this for a while. Um, do you recall one of the first times that you received some sort of really genuine and like personal feedback from from a fan uh, that 
you know, that really touched them and, and, and perhaps like how, like what that, cause that must be a trip, you know, it must be a real mm. fucking trip to have someone reach out to you to say that your music has been helping them through their process of grief or, or, you know, or that they had their first dance at their wedding with their, you know, the, the love of their life. So like, do you remember one of the, one of the very first times that you got that kind of feedback that you were like, holy shit, what That's we're doing is, is, is touching people like this is crazy. Yeah. Um, oh God, my memory is so bad. And there's been many of these sort of instances. Uh, so the, the yeah, the, probably the better example of some, there's just things that have happened more recently. Cause I can remember yeah. those a yeah, little yeah, bit yeah, better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, there's uh, like a nurse who was having a hard time during the pandemic and she was like overworked and she, she just lost her mother and she had to drive from I think GTA to Ottawa. And she listened to our song making do like, you know, the whole trip. And you're like, oh my God, like just like that was the song that kind of propelled her to get home. Yeah. Um, you know, recently we had a, a, a f- our uh, our videographer, Corey, uh, who's been with us for a very long time. He lost a childhood friend of his and she was in the hospital um, and she wanted to be married b- before she passed. And Ooh. so like she got all dolled up and she looked beautiful. Uh, she put on a wedding dress and she and her husband uh, danced to Quitting You. I don't know if they did it outside the hospital or if they were able to go home for the day. Uh, and the photos were just in- incredible. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then they ended up making our Ottawa show, which happened in November. And uh, and they danced to Quitting You, the kind of side stage. Mm-hmm. We set them up side stage. Oh, man. And uh, we just found out that she she passed away a couple oh. weeks ago. But, yeah, I mean, that shit, that is like just, you know, you're going to fucking cry just thinking about it. But, yeah, um, yeah the those, I mean, we, yeah, we, we've gotten so many emails about, um, and, and even stuff, you know, we, we had, uh, we really like a, adorable moms or dads reach out going like my kid is going through a really hard time you know suffers from depression like could you send like just a video note or or can we arrange like a little meet and greet uh before a show and and we really try our best like Mm -hmm. that that's sort of like the the public service part of the band that i that i think we all take pretty seriously you know my mom's a high school teacher my dad's a social worker like all the people that i respect in life are helpers like I kind of roll my eyes at most other jobs, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, but the people that are, you know, on the front lines, nurses, you know, community workers is like, those are the people that I'm like, Oh my God, you just live every day in service of other people. So if we can be helpful in that way, we always, we always try to lend a hand because there is a bit of duty. I think we, we've found We didn't go into the job thinking that this would be like a public, public service kind of job, but yeah. there is a part of, part of what we do that totally feels yeah. like that sometimes. Yeah. Do you find it difficult? Like I imagine you get a lot of those messages and, and there's got to become a point where like you can't respond to everyone. So do you like, how do you manage your own sort of feelings around trying to be in service of other people, but also managing your sort of time and the fact that like you have mental health and don't want to sure. burn out. Like, how do you, how do you juggle that? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, we're really lucky. Our, our manager, Ashley, uh, who's a huge part of everything we do. She, she has like uh, a very big heart. She's very, very generous. And she's also, because she kind of sees all of it come in, she's pretty good at distinguishing, which is like... <laughs> can you give a shout out for my, my boyfriend's birthday or something like that, <laughs> which we get many of too, um, uh, versus something that like, okay, this, this passes the stress test of, yeah. uh, about something we should dig into. And, and, and we lean on her, on her instincts. And when we try to, uh, to do our best after that, mm-hmm. um, I'm curious, like from, from the, from the, the perspective of writing music and, and I think, I think probably, especially going back to, you know, before the band, gets uh like becomes recognized like nationally and internationally recognized and you've got this sort of notoriety like about the the writing process and maybe the like when i i imagine i imagine that when you're sitting down and you're writing and you're drawing upon whatever it is you call upon past experiences emotions whatever it is that sort of fuels the the writing process um and then realizing on a pretty big scale 
that what you are drawing upon and what ends up coming out in the songs is something that is felt by so many other people and that there's a, uh, that that uh, resonates with people. That's something that you probably, that you can probably very easily feel like is quite unique to you is also the thing that thousands of other people are experiencing. Like when Mm -hmm. we sit down and do our podcast and we talk to somebody who is going through, you know, whatever disease that it is. And then they oftentimes very, very, it's very common for them to feel like they are alone or they've gone through periods Mm -hmm. where they feel like that that's a very lonely experience. And then realizing when we put the podcast out, that that's a very, that that there's so many Mm -hmm. other people there that can resonate with that experience. Like what was it, what is that feeling like to put something out there and then to realize, holy shit, this is something that so many people, something that felt so deeply personal is also resonating with thousands and thousands of, of other people out there. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, because again, it's like a two-step thing because you just like write it and you're hopefully in the moment and you're trying to like identify the little details and make up a story and the little details are in, are are what make a good story right it's like it's i think the more is you're trying to do this thing as a songwriter generally speaking like the art form of it um is just like what is what is a a thing that you know a lot of people can relate to but how do you, how are you talking about it in a very specific way then that's mm. always kind of the goal whether you're talking mm. about love or triumph or sadness or anything but you're sort of trying to identify details and we had a song that came out last year called Strong. And it was about a friend of ours that went to McMaster University. Her name is Dr. Barbara Tatham. And her story is incredible. Um, she, beautiful young woman, um, and she was about to go to Africa. I forget, I think I want to say Tanzania, to open medical clinics there. And, and then she got word that uh, there was a cancerous uh, issue on her head. And then that sort of started the journey uh, for the next, I want to say, year and a half. I'm getting some of these details sort of wrong. But um, she went to McMaster with me, and um, she uh, she had to sort of, you know, really think about what her life was going to be like because uh, it was a terminal illness. And we we reconnect, and I and we had a lot of mutual friends, and then we reconnected kind of in her final summer, and she was having a great time. She was like traveling a lot she was going uh, to lots of concerts she bought like the season's pass for Budweiser stage and mm-hmm. and I just have like these amazing memories of just like looking at this person who's like lost all of her hair and but still radiant and beautiful and smiling and and sort of like leading the charge she's a true leader right like if you're mm-hmm. if you're a family doctor and you're a person who's like picking up and going across the ocean to like try to help other people like you're that kind of person yeah and um she has three uh, younger sisters uh, that I've come to know really well now and uh, and her boyfriend at the time uh, and her family. And um, she, so I wrote about that experience. So the song is called Strong. And, uh, and it was, again, it's just sort of identifying just those like, how do we, how do we get through this thing together? Um, you know, it's just thinking about how painful it would be for her parents who have to see her, their daughter, Pass and her sisters and they were a really close knit bunch and it was you know the most like profoundly sad thing anybody can experience um but and you wouldn't you know wish that upon anyone of course but just seeing like the way they were able to manage all of it and and mm. it was just incredible it was like the most sort of like beautiful sort of sort of show of strength and dignity and grace and generosity um, so anyway, we put out that song and it's, it's, and it's, and it's a kind of like a pretty sad piano ballad it's, and, um, it's been nice to see people connect with it. If you look in the YouTube comments, you see a lot of people going, I know, I know Barbara, I knew Barbara yeah, and yeah. this is a great depiction of her or this song reminds me of somebody who just passed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to be able to like provide a bit of that soundtrack for other people that uh, you know as you say everyone goes through some version of this at some point in their life uh, to be able to provide a soundtrack for that is you know is pretty uh yeah it's a very humbling thing again in terms of your relationship with that experience i i think a, a lot about uh the comparisons to therapy like sitting with a moment or an experience and like meditating on it and trying to work through what that experience means to you 
I'm curious what sort of parallels there are between the writing process, specifically when you're like writing about a moment mm -hmm. like that and your experiences with therapy. Do, do you see a lot of parallels in that? Yeah. Well, actually, one of the things that's been great for me, uh, you, you know, uh, lately with therapy is just writing things out, just having a chance to get it off. And that's one thing that Sharice <laughs> has encouraged me <laughs> to do, which is, so it's like, you know, journaling is helpful. And she was like, you know, she, she first started, you know, going through a breakup and she was like, you know, talk about, you know, you, you could try writing a song about it. And, you know, some, sometimes people like songwriters are just better communicating that way. And, and at first I was like, I really rolled my eyes about it. I'm like, Sharice, I'm not going to write a fucking song. That's my job. Uh, like, can we not, can we keep this about therapy for a second? <laughs> um, but then, but then now there's like so many, I, 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 I kind of came around to the idea and, and like every night there's a new song <laughs> and, and it's been really great for me. Like I really, I don't know. I feel like a lot of life in general is just about sort of feeling useful <laughs> and feeling like you did something. I feel like that just like helps my sort of contentment or like my happiness index, which is just mm -hmm. like, Ooh. did I do something about it? <laughs> you know, and, and some, and there's a lot of situations, you know, where it's like, you can't do anything about it. Right. Like, and whether that's in a breakup or in sickness or whatever. And, but it's like, how, how can you cope? How can you deal with it? And so for me, it's like writing has been helpful. Writing imaginary letters has been helpful. Writing songs has been helpful. Like just getting it out there. And uh -huh. then because when it's all inside, it's just like there's a pressure in your system that doesn't need to be there if there's another outlet for it. Totally. I mean, I don't I don't like I don't have much experience with there. I have a little bit of experience with therapy, but not much. But I'm like I'm thinking about what I imagine, you know, knowing, knowing quite a few musicians and being familiar with, I know the writing process isn't like the, isn't like a singular thing that, that, that somebody follows like a script, but, um, you know, you're, I, I imagine you're kind of, you're, you're kind of, you, you're sitting down to, to do something and you've got to, you got to dig. I imagine there's some type of like digging process to find out like, what are the things that I'm feeling? What are the things that I want to write about? And I guess like therapy kind of is that right. Totally. Like, it's like, yeah. Hey, let's dig some shit up and but process it. <laughs> the interesting thing, though, that I find and like the reason why I'm so curious about therapy and the writing process is because I find that I found that before I started going to therapy and I've been going now for maybe just over two years. And before, when I would think about a problem that I'm experiencing, um, I would think about it on the surface level in a way that I was unaware of. So I would think like, oh, this is a problem because it's a problem because I can see that it's attached to these feelings or whatever. But now as I start to go through therapy and, and my therapist asks me questions to sort of figure out where these feelings are coming from, I start to go deeper and deeper. And there's, I'm finding that there's like more things that are attached to past experiences and, and the places that I go and the, the, the complexity of the thoughts that I have, have been evolving in a way that I think, um, provides for me personally a lot of profound answers to questions that I had or or have. And so I'm imagining that like if you're writing a song and you're talking about your feelings prior to therapy, I'm curious, like, did you feel like maybe you were only sort of scratching the surface of some of these issues? Mm. And do you feel like now that you have this experience of going to therapy that you're able to like almost instead of playing like 2D chess, you're playing like 3D chess? <laughs> Good question. Well, I think <laughs> I, I, I don't know if the, the lyrics will be any better or more profound. I don't know. It's hard to say if it's like if that level of. And, and maybe not even and like to sort of interrupt you, but like maybe not even in like the output of like the actual, you know, lyrics that you're creating. Maybe it was always sort of um, uh, profound to you, at least in a way. But like, do you feel like you're at least your sort of exploration of the thoughts during the process is like maybe deeper, or more profound in a way? Yeah, I think. um it's it's a good question. I and, and there, again, there's a bit of a jigsaw puzzle component to to writing music because it's like you could write some nice prose, but if like the hook sucks, then it's like exactly don't want to listen to it. Um, but I will say that um, usually, you know, we we're very like workmanlike about the job, right? We've 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 just kind of consistently worked since the band started, and I think it's a part of our success. And I think with songwriting, it's always been like okay, like. There's an agenda. There's a bit of an agenda, right? Like where it's like, okay, is this song going to be on the record? Or what kind of song do we need? Or oh, we need another upbeat song. Or oh, we could use, like, there, there's a little bit of, like, planning there uh, that feels, like, outside of, like, the emotional state. But what I've liked about 
um, songwriting lately. And this is kind of crazy for me because it's like, you know, I'm th- I just turned 36 and we've been doing it for a long time and you think you're sort of set in your ways or you have a sense of as to like how you're going to go about doing your job. Like, I don't know if these songs even need to ever see the light of day. Like before, it was always like, if I'm writing a song, it needs to see the light of day. Yeah. This is a song that I'm, a pr- I'm proud of. It needs, it will be showcased one day. But lately, and I'm kind of not great at spending a lot of time with myself traditionally. Like I like being around people. Uh, I don't like doing things by myself. Like, you know, I don't have great, I have a bit of ADD or something where like the patience that's required to learn how to use like pro tools and stuff. I've always like, fuck that. I don't want to do that. <laughs> Somebody else figure it out for me and I'll just like bark ideas. <laughs> and it's more fun that way. Because it's like yeah, we can yeah. do something together because I'm very sort of team oriented. But I think one of the things that I've learned lately which is like, okay, just slow down a little bit, be okay with like feeling things and being in your feels, which is I've, something I've been sort of uncomfortable with in the past. I don't like hanging out in uncomfortable zones for very long. And I've really been trying to be like okay with discomfort in my feelings. Mm-hmm. And then once you can kind of settle in there, and you, and again, and you have no expectations for like where the music might end up, it's just like, then, then you kind of get into this like meditative state. It's really been interesting for me. And this is only like literally probably in the last month or so, two months. And it's, it's like a brand new feeling. And I'm really glad that I discovered it. And I probably have to attribute, you know, getting into that zone in therapy as, as one of the things that's propelled me to kind of to get here now. And it's been really nice for me. It's been, I think it's been really good for me. Uh, this might be like a little bit off topic, but I, I, I am very interested in, it's always fun to talk to an artist who's been doing what they do and doing it well for years. Um, and, and kind of, you know, I, I, I always like to kind of dig into, uh, the process of that. And, um, one thing that I'm, I'm sort of curious about, especially with a band that's been around for so long, like you guys formed what in 2006, I yeah, believe. I mean, we met in first year university, two thousand four. Our first record right. came out in two thousand eight. So, and we sort yeah. of, been, and that's we graduated that year, and we've just been kind of working. Sure. Since. So, like, like having done it for so long, um, you know, I, what, you, like, have your influences changed over the years with with you know what you are listening to and how that kind of seeps into your own creative process? You know, what you were listening to in two thousand six or two thousand seven when working on the first album. How have those how have those influences changed to today on on the stuff that you're writing today? Like, what are you listening to that you're mm-hmm. really fucking loving or hearing that's like kind of new and and fresh and like and and kind of inspiring you to create something maybe new and fresh that you haven't really tapped into yet? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the things uh, that has offered us longevity because most bands have like. Real realistically, most bands have like a three to five year window where things are really cooking. And I think about most of the bands that we came up with, like th- that would have put out records in 2008, like they're not bands anymore, like yeah. or they're not doing much. So we know how hard it is. And it's not because they're not good bands. It's just that it's just like a very precious industry and things yeah. move pretty mm-hmm. quickly. Yeah. So I think um, we, we're always looking for new things. And I think when Jackson Square, our first record came out, we were listening to a lot of Canadian indie rock, a lot of Joel Plaskett, Constantine's, Weaker Than's. <laughs> Uh, oh, love the social scene like all the all that kind of great era of canadian indie rock and we feel really lucky to be sort of just a little younger than those bands because so we, we'd go to the casbah in hamilton and just like go to their shows for 250 people i remember seeing plaskin in 2005 for you know 150 people and it was mm-hmm. like a life-changing event and we mm-hmm. have been stealing his tricks ever since um, <laughs> but then i think we also as we put out the next record and the one after that, it was like we were weren't afraid to sort of like indulge in more like hard on your sleeve, poppy like ideas. And for like a bunch of guys that would like, no, we wear plaid and black skinny jeans and play rock and roll. Like that wasn't the thing that most other our, our peers were doing. But we're like, no, right. you know, like I like pop music. I like hollow notes. I like there's a lot of different stuff out mm-hmm. there. And I think if you go through our catalog, it's like we're always trying stuff and I love electronic music. I love hip hop. I love pop music. Like I'd say the majority of the music that I listen to these days or the music that kind of gets me interested is like not necessarily like rock and roll really. Um, And so, and I think, but I mean, but the nature of it is like, we're a rock and roll band. We tour with like a horn section. It's like, I think we're good at it, but if we can take ideas from those other places 
it just makes it feel like less conventional. Yeah. But I will say the thing that uh, I actually, I know this is airing in January, but we just uh, were at a show last night uh, in Toronto, the 1975 played. Are you guys fans of them? Yeah. 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 yeah I love them. And he's an amazing Matt Healy. He's an amazing lyricist and they're so ambitious in everything they do. Like I saw them in 2019 and, and it was an amazing show at Budweiser stage. Like the set piece and everything was like as good as it gets. Last night was the opposite of what 2019 looked like, but just as good in mm. a completely different way. It was like, it looked like a theater production. There was like street lights and they entered the stage one at a time and they're turning on little lamps on the stage. Oh yeah. So it went yeah, from yeah. this very like modern big screen production in 2019 to this very analog idea. Mm. And he's like talking so much shit on stage and he's being funny, <laughs> he's being heartfelt. And he's sort of like, to me, sort of encapsulates like what being human is sort of about, which is like, you can be really generous and you can be a little selfish and you can be, you know, uh, you can do good things and you can do bad things and you can be funny and you can be sentimental. Mm. And you like just the duality of who we are, like exists all in this guy. Mm. And I just don't see many people, especially public people, being able to like successfully sort of pull that off. And there, But there's a generosity of spirit that he has that his fans really understand like and there's a sense of humor about everything that he does he had a funny uh it's a story post like a few weeks ago where he was like people think this is my like uh my idol and it was like a picture of like david bowie or something he's like but really these are my idols it was like andy kaufman and then he listed off a bunch of other comedians <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, right, right. so he's like it's like performance art i don't know i was just like and, and the songs are amazing too so i was just like that that's a band that sort of like opens my eyes yeah your favorite one-hit wonder or that overpriced toy your parents would never let you have or that tv show that no one else remembers because it was canceled way too soon now what if we could fix it i'm francesca ramsey and i'm delon grant and after 20 years of friendship we are now hosting a new nostalgia podcast called let me fix it each episode we'll dig into our favorite celebrities shows and brands of yesteryear and then imagine what it would take to repackage them for relevance today think of our show as an intervention but with way less stakes. So subscribe to Let Me Fix It wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Uh, it's tough. To go. Spe- yeah. Speaking of 1975, it's so funny that you, you brought that up. I, I yesterday, uh, I mean, th- this episode's coming out in January, um, but uh, as we record this right now, we're kind of like, you know, Christmas is right around the corner, and I there's nothing I fucking love more than like really great um, like indie music christmas songs like kurt vile just put out this christmas song a couple of weeks ago that is maybe one of the best christmas songs i've ever heard in my entire life like i i it's non-stop i am playing it all the fucking time it wow. makes me so happy um but on this playlist uh uh from the recent uh 1975 album uh that just recently came out uh being funny in a foreign language there's a song on that album called wintering and it is, it's a, it's a phenomenal Christmas song. Like it's so good. So mm. if anybody out there is looking for good, mm, like Xmas go. tunes, uh, from like your favorite bands, add that to your playlist for next Christmas, because it's, uh, it's just, it's an absolute delight. Um, one of the things that's kind of been like floating around in my mind about, about music, um, and wondering what this, what this might be for you and like for you guys too, is like, when I think of when I think uh, like music has music has such specific ties to memories yes, yeah, and yeah, like time. places in time. Mm. And so when I hear a certain song that I listen to as like a teenager, it's like you almost are, you're like in the room that the memory occurred. You can smell the things that are there. It's this like incredible phenomenon that I absolutely adore about music. Actually, as you were talking, I was like, I was like, holy shit, there are some there are, there are some songs from the Arkells. Like a bunch of songs from Jackson Square are like in that for me as like a yeah. I guess I would have been like 18, 19 years old or so. Yeah, definitely. And uh, <laughs> like uh Ballad of Hugo Chavez, yeah, Champagne cool. so- Champagne Socialist. Like those are those like have very strong ties to being uh to being like a just underage just of age uh partier. <laughs> and uh, that and that whole scene that that encompasses that. Um like, what are some of the stuff for you guys that like this and what are the maybe some of the songs and like and memories, if those memories are share, shareable memories that like <laughs> tr- that transport you back in time? 
there, there's a good tweet um, somebody had the other day, which is like, I can't tell if the music that I uh, like is good or is just music that I listen to between the age of 13 and 19. <laughs> yeah, dude. I put on an Incubus album last yes. night and my partner is a little bit younger than me. And I was like, you cool if I put on some Incubus? And she was like, what? Incubus? And I was like, it might have been before your time. Put on the record. And, and she was like, I don't know how I feel about this. And I was like, like what I, is this? I, yeah. I know. And she was like, what, it, like, what are they? And I was like, I, I don't know how to describe them. I really don't know how to describe them. But like the singer's hot. We know they, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> he never wears a shirt. And it, a shirt. Like, like that music. Right. Just, there's a DJ get, in the band. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. rock, but like, yeah, there's like I know, dude. <laughs> scratching sometimes. I don't know. <laughs> Fuck, I know. Yeah. Uh, sorry, sorry. I jumped in there. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, wh- uh, what's the music from? Sorry, what was the question again? It was uh, like yeah, a, that like brings a, you back. A, yeah, yeah, like a, like like a song or a band that just like transports you back to like a Ooh. visceral a visceral memory. Ah, oh, there's so many. Anybody else want to go first? Yeah, I for me, it's the music from the OC soundtrack. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, and, yeah, right. and and specifically, like I I became a, uh, a big fan of Rooney through Rooney. listening to. That's exactly. I knew uh, you were going to say Rooney. Music Love from Rooney. And Blue side, uh, that first record yeah, was so oh my good. God, it's so good. You know, I'm so going back good. and listen to that record. I haven't thought yes. about it in so long. It was but each so song good. is a smash. I saw them at the yeah. Opera House in like 2004. No way, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I awesome. To, I, but for me, like that, it transports me back to I like when I was younger. I used to have a, a seasons pass to our our local like small ski hill, and mm. um, like I can picture myself riding the T bar, mm-hmm. listening to those songs. That's cool. Um, yeah, and I and I don't even know if I was like listening to music when i was there it's just like it's so like it i can almost taste the moment it's so mm-hmm. visceral mm-hmm. when i yeah. think of that yeah anything for you or no, i guess you're you're i you're, mean you're it, incubus. it was incubus yeah, yeah. Incubus it, it really does like just launch me back to like you know grade 10 just uh. and and like you know that that was like my like my sex idol you know like that like uh. he i i saw him you know seeing him play live at red i wasn't there but like the, the the dvd of live at red rocks with his shirt off i was like oh my god i just doesn't sound like it's gonna make it to your sex playlist though, i want right? to no it does not yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, 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 the fucking record scratching just does not fit yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean there's so many for me i mean uh, like um when the band was started in starting university we had a side project band uh that we called the surly young bucks and it was with our friend Aaron Goldstein, and it was like kind of basically a Neil Young slash the band like tribute act, basically. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and all the music was either like ripoffs of, of those bands or just covers of those bands. And so I think about Neil Young, and I think about this uh, student house in Westdale called Rocky Sagin. I don't know why we called it that, but we <laughs> we had jams in the basement. So I think about Neil Young and jamming there. But I also think about like when I was a kid, like late nineties, like being up, like utterly obsessed with jay-z like i just like love jay-z like <laughs> mm-hmm. life and times of sean carter volume two like hard knock life like that song is so good mm-hmm. and think about like 97 just walking on bloor street near my parents house um and then there's like you know um and i've told this story recently because and i again have a kind of a bad memory but i do i do remember the moment i heard joel plaskett where i walked into soundscapes on college street in toronto went to the listening station i would have been like 17 I put on the headphones because that's how you like discovered new music, and th- it kind of starts funny. And then the first lyrics are "tip tap toe go the footsteps as they're coming down the hall." And one of my favorite like, songs ever. <laughs> it's amazing, and I and it was kind of interesting game to listen to it in that experience because the, the headphones at the CD store were always kind of like big and good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember like, what is this? I never heard of Joel Plaskett. Truthfully, truthfully, it just come out. I was like. This this dude is kind of doing everything I like. It like it kind of sometimes reminds me of the Beatles a little bit. It's like kind of funny. He's got a really interesting voice. The band is live and tight at the same time. It's like, yeah, I was like, this is amazing. So I, I definitely think about that, dude. Oh, if man. you can put it in Joel's ear that <laughs> at his show, which I believe is either late February or sorry, late January or early February in Halifax, uh-huh. that I will be going to. If he, I've never heard written all over me live because, you know, like when somebody's got like a, you know, when somebody has like a really long career and you go see them and they've got hits, they've got songs that you are adore, but you just never get to see them live. Totally. Because yeah. you never get to see them perform live because they get buried underneath, you know, the hits or the newest, the newer, the newer uh, songs that are being put out, the new record. 
And written all over me is one of those songs that every time I've gone to see Joel play, I've just crossed my fingers and gone. You know what you should do? Please play written all over me. You know what you me. should do? I'm sure Joel would really appreciate this. Every time he ends a song and there's that little moment of silence, <laughs> scream the name of that song out. <laughs> yeah, because uh, he might change his set list. All artists love that. Uh, it's like it's a huge thing. Yeah, they, yeah. Really, they really appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the, the last thing that I kind of want to touch on and, and we sort of, we sort of touched on it a little bit earlier in the conversation, but, um, something that I don't think it's a lot of, gets a lot of like airtime or, or isn't like talked about publicly with bands is, is like the real life connections that you build with fans over the years. Um, and you know, it makes me think about this one story that I heard that I just think is so, so sweet and like so beautiful. It, it was a number of years ago, Band of Horses were playing a show in Norway and there was a couple at the show and they got engaged at their show. Um, and the band noticed it happening in the crowd and they were like, mm. whoa, fuck, that's so cool. And they, you know, made note of it and everyone was like, you know, super elated and yada, yada. Um, two years later, they happened to be in t in town in this t this small town of Norway wherever it was um and the couple had reached out to the band and said hey we uh we were at your show in Oslo uh we got engaged our wedding is is happening um this weekend and we're going to have our first dance to your song uh Mary song or uh, Mary song or something like that and the band was in town and they were like do you guys want to No. Do you guys want to just like go crash the wedding and, and play <laughs> a live acoustic version of the song for them for the first dance? To which they did. Dude, you'd die. Awesome. You, you, I mean, like die. just just an unbelievable experience, right? And I'm sure I, I don't know, but I'm I'm guessing that like that experience probably led to a position where the band and this couple stayed in touch somewhat, you know? Um, like there was, there was something genuine. Or they were pissed. They were like, dude, we were going <laughs> to play your this? song. How dare you ruin we our wedding? Didn't, now you just showed up and everybody yeah. was more interested in you than us. And oh, was, Steel and Thunder. And they were pissed. Very yeah. real concern. <laughs> so my, my question is, um, Max, you know, over the years, um, can you recall any, can you call, recall any like legitimate relationships that you've built with fans that, um, you know, that, that maybe, maybe that's something that people don't really seem to think is, is kind of a thing where, where there's like real life connections that you create with fans that kind of build over the, over the span of the career. And they sort of just are always kind of like in the back of your mind or, or, you know, there, there's, there's just something there that, that makes like a, a relationship tangible outside of we're the band, you're the fan. And that's mm -hmm. sort of where it ends. Yeah, I feel like that's like our entire career is is like not being a, like this sort of uh, on a pedestal rock and roll band. Like the guys in the band are just so, and myself included, like so normal and and also just like we also know how it's all made. So it's like nothing seems glamorous to us. It's like oh, mm -hmm. like we know how much like schlepping around it takes to kind of get the thing off the ground. And even like when you, when it looks like things are going like amazingly, it's like actually probably not going as amazingly as you think, like behind the curtain, you know, it's like, we just know how hard it is. So for that reason, and we love it. Like it's an, like, we're so grateful for the job, but for that reason, it's like, we, we try our best to give everybody time. And, and we have lots of stories, you know, of, of friends we've made along the way that continue to come out to shows. Like there's this couple in, Columbus that saw us in 2010 open for Tokyo Police Club in this little basement bar. And like we text, we still like are in touch. And they've like yeah. since moved to Florida and they're like super nice. And they, I remember when we, they came to see us at South by Southwest in Austin, Texas, like the next year. And like we like pulled up in a, like a touring, like in a van and we're like hauling our amps onto the stage. And it, like the Maria was just like at the end, we, we did like four shows in two days and then they had to kind of get going. And she like, stuck like $300 in my shirt pocket. Like, just make sure you boys eat. Okay. <laughs> yes. But I mean, there's lots of, I mean, we've been lucky enough to help with like lots of proposals. We, we, there is like a, a couple on stage at Ottawa. The, this fella Fabian wanted to Fabian, Fabian wanted to, uh, proposed to his boyfriend during my heart's always yours i was like mm. how would we get you up on stage and we should just do it on stage and and they were amazing and mm. totally surprised the boyfriend 
Um, cause I was like, we need, we need somebody to get the mood right. All right. We need some dancers. Like that was sort of like the, the, the conceit. <laughs> and then, and then he proposed and, and it was like just a, a amazing moment. Like there's been, oh, there's so many, I, I say one kind of cool thing that happened on our UK tour is a couple in Norwich, England, which is sort of like out there. It's like the Halifax of, of England. It's like in the Northeast part of the country. Um, their first dance at their wedding was and then some in that and the wedding had happened maybe <clears throat> the month before and they got the local cover band that was like the band they hired for Ooh. their wedding to learn that song and to come sing and then they sent us the video i was like this is amazing the band is called the counterfeit brits because they were like a <laughs> 90s brit rock band yeah. and and um so we reached out to the band i was like can you do you guys want to come to the show like come to the show and we'd love to meet you and we played and then some, which was their wedding song. And I kind of serenaded them. I went in the crowd and I serenaded so they could like recreate the first dance. Uh, and then, and then I was like, all right, we need the singer of the cover band to come up on stage and help us. So then he came up on stage. Uh, and yes. score. So it was like this yeah. amazing thing where it's like, you know, again, it's like we can never imagine that like, you know, some random British a couple in Norwich, England, like is using our song as their first yeah. dance at a wedding. So there's like lots of stories like that, which always just like, yeah like we we're always like kind of looking for moments of like delight that's kind of like my job is just like kind of yeah. looking around like what yeah. what are like fun ways to feel connected with other people and and we're lucky that we've had a lot of them i love that yeah. i love that yeah uh well max uh i want to say thank you dude thanks for taking time out of your schedule to sit down with us and to kind of uh dive into a little bit of the the creative process and how music uh, can be can be a really healing and, and joyful uh, form of art that if you're out there again listening and you don't really listen to music, I mean, this is a great example as to why that. you got to change that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Max, you got a podcast called The Best Hang Podcast. I'm sure people can find that wherever. Yeah, they find you guys got to come on our podcast. It's much dumber than this podcast. Oh, this dude. is a very <laughs> contemplative. This is the smart version of The Best yeah. Hang Podcast. Every Friday, trust me, every Friday we get as dumb as we can fucking yeah. get. It's the way that we uh, shake it up. We do, yeah. Uh, Max, what's, uh, I mean, I don't, do you got, do, what, what's the band up to? What are you guys up to next? What do you have coming up uh, in the new year, 2023? Yeah, we're plotting all that right now. We, we like to stay busy, though. We, like, we like to entertain ourselves. That's like the, the best part of the job. So we'll, we'll be announcing stuff in the new year. But uh, for now, like, you know, between like working a lot through the pandemic on music and, you know, figuring out how touring is going to happen again. And then this last year we, we toured like the whole time. Uh, it's nice to, nice to have like a minute for a break and then we'll, we'll be right back at it by February or something. Cool. Sweet. Sweet. Well, thanks dude. This has been a real treat. Thank you very much. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.